Welcome to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi, everyone. This is Rohit from Life Self Mastery. Today, I'm excited to have Shrine Alice, uh, who's a technology entrepreneur and investor, is currently managing partner in Rhythm, a crypto coin fund, and, and the chairman of Hive. He was earlier the co founder and CEO of Eye Contact. Uh, which grew to 300 employees and 70,000 customers uh, and $50 million in annual sale, sale, uh, sales before it uh, was sold off to Vocus for $170 million. He's also an author of The Startup Guide, uh, Building a Better World Through Entrepreneurship uh, and runs his Substack uh, on, on Coinstock. And he is attended the University of North Carolina and holds an MBA from Harvard Business School. Uh, welcome to the show, Ryan. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here today. Yeah, awesome. You know, you've been uh, uh, one of my heroes. I've followed your journey uh, last couple of years. Uh, you, you wrote a, uh, a massive slide, uh, which was your learnings by 28, which is like, a, I think, a 1200 slide deck presentation. I was very inspired. I've been following your journey. Uh, you know, how, how did you get your start into startups and what made you start I contact? I started my first company, Eye Contact, when I was 18. I was a freshman at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, and I dropped out of college after two years to build a software company. Um, Eye Contact uh, is an email marketing software company that's still around today, um, and, and we grew the company, as you just mentioned, to 300 employees and $50 million a year in sales, and, and I got to be the CEO for 10 years, and, and when I was 27, we sold the company. Um, for $170 million to a public company. I had incredible managerial experience. We did a lot of social impact with the dollars we earned. And uh, I got to build a company of 300 employees. So it was quite an adventure, quite an entrepreneurial ride. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then, you know, you, you went on to uh, do your master's from, uh, from Howard. What, what are some of the lessons from, you know, uh, building eye contact and, you know, doing your MBA? Uh, and then later on, you know, you... you, you you did a bunch of, uh, you, you built Hive and now you're also working for a current uh, fund. But, but what really were some of the lessons, you know, of being a CEO of a big company and then doing MBA? Yeah, so the, the lessons I learned being CEO of iContact from 2002 to 2012 really focused in around the importance of hiring a great team around you, people who are more capable and experienced than yourself. Uh, you should only be hiring people uh, who are better than you at whatever the role is that you're hiring and people that um, are in it for the purpose and the passion of the work. You want to have um, missionaries, not mercenaries. You want to have people who are in it because of the deeper mission and purpose of the company, um, who are capable and competent at what they do, but are also doing it for a deep reason. Um, and um, you want to avoid people who really don't care about the bigger reason or the purpose of the company existing. So that was the biggest lesson I learned at iContact, how to recruit and hire great people, and then how to use internet marketing to scale up customer acquisition, to build awareness for the firm. Um, we had over a million users and 70,000 customers at iContact that paid us on average $50 a month. And so we got up to about $4 million a month in sales, about $50 million a year. Um, and built an incredible team of people who were more experienced than me as an 18, 19, 20-year-old entrepreneur when I was getting started in 2002, 2003. Um, in terms of the lessons I learned doing an MBA at Harvard Business School, what, what it, Harvard Business School teaches you is how to lead a 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 employee company. What are, what are the principles of managerial excellence that allow you to be a great communicator a great motivator, um, and to build companies that solve problems that matter in the world. And so having gone through the Harvard Business School MBA, I feel like I'm ready to be the CEO someday of a 10,000 or 20,000 employee company, or perhaps the uh, a partner in a hedge fund today. I happen to be the partner in a crypto hedge fund uh, with, with um, uh, quite a bit in terms of assets under management. We're one of the top 10% of crypto hedge funds by AUM. And our goal is to uh, be one of the largest institutional providers of capital going into social good. Um, and so someday if we can reach, you know, $100 billion, um, that would be our long-term goal. Yeah, no, awesome. And 
uh, I think you you wrote a as I mentioned before you wrote a uh, you know presentation about about your learnings uh, by 28 you know what what made you write that presentation became very viral and you know a lot of people got to know uh, about you from that presentation what what made you write down the entire lessons uh, so my mom passed away from cancer when i was 27 and when she was 60 from a brain cancer and one of the things that i learned when my mom passed away when i was 27 was that life can be short and you need to be doing what you love now and i i went through a a process after selling eye contact of reflecting on everything i'd learned in life up to that point which was um 28 years of life pr- pretty young life at the time and i decided i'd create a slide deck of everything i learned in my 20s and i created the first version in 2013 and then the the second version i created on my 30th birthday in 2014 and i called it lessons from my 20s and it was a, a 1200 slide slide deck on everything i had learned in business entrepreneurship relationships communication investing up until that point and it, it got covered um in, in a lot of the media as you spoke about and and has now had uh over 10 million views um and so a lot of people have seen this slide deck um and so if you're interested in it as as a listener just google lessons from my 20s by Ryan Alice and you'll find it so in in that deck it was um i took a year to to reflect on everything i'd learned and then published it all um and um i had a a great reception from it and uh, you know over the last couple of years has there been more lessons or uh, do you think you you going to update uh that deck uh, in next coming years when you're going to reach 40 yeah i'm going to be writing a new slide deck uh in the next two years called lessons from my 30s <laughs> and uh it, it will probably be similarly long I'm um, I'm starting over so I, I you'll be happy to know I'm starting from scratch um and I plan on doing it um when I'm 39 so I'm 37 today I'll I'll probably spend um you know my my nights and weekends when I'm 39 juggling a a small baby hopefully uh and then also um writing my lessons out from my 30s I plan to do that every decade for the rest of my life Awesome. I, I really look forward to to to, to your next slide deck. And uh, you know, you you after MBA went on to build Hive. What was uh, what is the reason to build Hive? And uh, you know, what is the status? So in 2013, I was a first year MBA student at Harvard Business School. I was in between my two years there in Cambridge. Um, I I went home to San Francisco for the for the summer, and I took a course. uh called the landmark forum which is on personal development and growth and um i kept going with the program it was created by a guy named Werner Erhard who's now in his mid 80s um he had been uh very well known in the 1970s and 80s for creating a very intense personal growth program and so i kept going through the landmark program um and i got a lot of value out of it some people think it's a little controversial some people think it's a cult but i actually really enjoyed the landmark program and in the third program they had us create a nonprofit um community organization a social enterprise and i decided to create hive.org um i had been part of a number of global leadership communities uh for entrepreneurs in my career and many of them were very heavily male and very heavily people from europe and north america and what i wanted to build was a global community that was actually diverse that helped leaders find their purpose in life and helped these leaders articulate why they're on this planet right now and what they're here to do. And so over the last 7 years since 2014, hive.org has put on 36 events in 15 countries. Uh we've had 3600 leaders graduate from our 3-day workshop uh called the Hive Global Leaders Program. Um and uh we have um now had people from all over the planet um come through our trainings um where we've been paused during covid uh we can't run big events usually our events are 350 450 people and so we plan to restart them in 2022 and so we're we're we also have had events in hive hive africa last year we'll have another hive africa next year 
So Hive is continuing and active even as we've had to pause our in-person events in 2020 and 2021. Awesome. Uh, it's very interesting to hear about Hive and you know the community that you're building around it. And, you, know, you know, I want to talk about uh, Heart Rhythm. Uh, you know, I've been following your crypto journey on 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 your Substack newsletter, with Coinstack, and you know, wanted to know why why are you a big believer in crypto now, and how did you uh, get your start into Heart Rhythm? Yeah, well, it, my career up until now has been uh, software, finance, and social impact, and I really um, what I love about Heart Rhythm is the ability to combine everything I love into one company. And so I'm a community builder. Um, I'm a social impact person. I'm um, a finance person. I'm an I'm a entrepreneur. And so with Heart Rhythm, I'm able to build a company with uh, Nick Sullivan, um, Manu, with Charlie, with our team of incredible technologists, um, many of whom have been CEOs of companies previously themselves. And we formed a partnership to build a hedge fund, a crypto hedge fund, where we take, um, as we grow our assets under management, we'll be taking up to 50% of our annual performance fees and giving it away to philanthropic causes, to charities, um, and to individuals that are making a big positive impact in the world through something called the Heart Prize, an annual new Nobel Prize for people doing good and making a big impact. And we'll be announcing that at a, a big annual conference, uh, probably in the Bay Area. We'll have our first one in early 2022. And we're very excited about it. And so what, what Heart Rhythm is, is um, a, a crypto hedge fund that invests in decentralized finance, so DeFi, and, and also in algorithmic trading. And so we're both a quant fund, a quantitative fund that does programmatic trading, as well as a fund that generates yield by investing in DeFi. Um, in terms of why I, I was really attracted to crypto, um, you know, COVID was happening. Everyone was staying home last year. And I started reading a book called The Infinite Machine by Camila Russo. And uh, she wrote this book on the founding of Ethereum. And I started reading The Infinite Machine, and it was uh, about how an army of hackers have essentially built a new global financial system. And what all the blockchain is, is a decentralized database. And um, in the whole um, financial system right now operates on two things. It operates on um, contracts that are written in English and stored usually in a DocuSign repository online as a PDF. So it's very hard to parse and it requires manual lawyers, paralegals and lawyers to actually read them and understand them and understand what they mean. Um, and so contracts are a big part of the financial system. And then databases um, that allow things like trading systems to operate. And the issue with the current financial system as it's built on very old legacy technology now is that it's very slow. And so if I want to send... Uh, money to um, a friend in Canada um, from the United States, it can take two business days, you know, and it's going maybe 200 miles from maybe Toronto to Buffalo. It still takes two days. Um, if, if I want to send, um, you know, uh, money to a friend using the blockchain, either on Ethereum or Bitcoin or a similar blockchain, you can do it in 10 minutes or less for pennies. Um, and so the cost and is lower, the speed is faster of sending money, sending remittances around the world, much lower cost than remittance uh, providers like Western Union that take a huge fee for sending money around the world. And then look at markets. Markets in the traditional world only trade Monday through Friday, 9.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. That's only 35 hours a week. And in the blockchain world, markets trade 168 hours a week. That's 24-7, 365. They never shut down. Um, you look at what happened with Robinhood um, and their stock trades with GameStop back in January of 2021, um, where these trades would take two days to clear. Now, in the blockchain, um, the trades clear instantaneously within within 10 minutes. Everything, everything is updated every 10 minutes. And so... Uh, it, it's a new technology for the future of finance um, in which there are new um, opportunities for lending. You look at apps like Compound or Aave on the Ethereum blockchain um, or Banky, for example, on the 
um, Avalanche blockchain. There are so many new ways to generate interest and earn yield on your money in crypto. And so if, if, you're, if you've got $100,000 sitting in a bank account, you're going to earn one-tenth of 1% one on, on that every year. But if you've got $100,000 sitting in a compound account, you're going to earn 7 or 8% on that per year. And you can even do better if you, if you go deeper into DeFi. And so as you can tell, I'm very excited about crypto and blockchain and decentralized databases and smart contracts being the foundational technology for the future of finance. Awesome, and uh, you know uh, uh, the fund that you are building—it uh, it works on algorithm trading. Uh, do you think you know beginners can learn about how to trade uh, on crypto, or do you think it's uh, it is very risky and they should avoid you know trading? Um, I, I think that investing in crypto is a good idea to learn about. Um, it, it's a good idea to start doing. I think that um, blockchains are here to stay. Um, cryptography as a security measure, consensus as a security measure is here to stay. Um, th this is the future of finance. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Um, and if you were to invest in um, a basic um, cryptocurrency, like say Ethereum, which is one of my favorites, and just hold it for 10 years, let's say you put in a little bit of money now in 2021 and you hold it till 2031, I think you'll do very, very well. Um, Ethereum a year ago was worth $300. Now it's worth $4,000 and, and it's on its way up. However, now you have to understand for anyone getting into cryptocurrency investing, there's a lot of volatility. And so there are days when you can make 10% and there are days when you can lose 10% um, and everything in between. And so what tends to happen is the markets move in cycles. Right now, we are toward the end of the third bull market cycle. I expect, this is my personal expectation based on past history, this bull market cycle will last another three to five months. Um, we're looking at maybe Q1 2022 for the peak of the current bull market cycle. And then if past history is a guide, what happened in 2013, what happened in 2017, um, is that we'll see uh, probably a, a, a big run up in the next three to four months. Bitcoin might get above 100,000. We'll see. Um, and then uh, as that run up finishes up, there's going to be a, a crash. And that crash tends to be 50, 60, 70 percent off of the high. So um, I, I think there's a big opportunity to get in now if your hold time is five years or longer. Um, if your hold time is maybe less than six months, you, you, you might be better off waiting a year uh, to make your first investment. Now, I do recommend to everyone, if you can, if you've got $4,000, if you have that amount of money laying around, go ahead and just go get yourself one Ethereum, hold, hold it, and just hold it for 10 years and see what it turns into. Yeah, no, I think that's that's super interesting because uh, I think in one of the newsletters you mentioned about uh, about investing every, every month a little uh, amount of money into you know bitcoin ethereum and some of the some of the other cryptocurrencies and um i, I think uh, i think that's that's also a great strategy uh but how, how do you look at uh crypto tax because if you're doing a lot of trading uh are there any platforms or uh, uh or you know any companies that you recommend for for people who are looking into uh who, who are trading a lot on cryptocurrency how how do you look at you know uh taxation when it comes to crypto assets yeah, great question. Um, on, on, on the personal side, I'm much more of a buy and hold type of investor. I'm, I'm someone that'll make an investment, hold it for five years, 10 years, see what it turns into. Um, I think the best gains uh, happen when you can compound those gains over time through multiple cycles. Um, and so um, I'm not someone that buys and sells a lot. I'm more just buy and hold. Um, in terms of the taxes, um, in at least in the United States, um, if you hold the underlying asset for more than a year, you get a, a discount on your long-term capital gains treatment. And so there is an incentive to, to when you buy to hold your assets for at least a year. And then the best um, tool that I've seen so far is called token tax. Now, most of the crypto that I've bought has been in 2021. I've never really sold any crypto prior to this year. 
Um, and so I actually haven't filled out a crypto tax return yet. Um, but, but at some point um, in the coming years, when I finally do sell, I'll have to. Um, and, and I'll um, probably use a tool like token tax to be able to do that easily. Mailman is an email assistant that shields you from unimportant emails, minimizing interruptions and making your days calmer and more productive. You can visit mailmanhq.com and use the code LSM. Uh, which gives you the benefit of 15% off for the first year on the annual plan, uh, which already has 20% discounted compared to the monthly plan. So you can visit mailmanhq.com and use the code LSM. Got it. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes about token tax. And, uh, you know, in one of the newsletters, newsletters you talked about, Nexo, which which provides you know, instant crypto loans uh, to access cash and, uh, and you know, uh, to support for the maintenance of ownership of one's digital assets, uh, you know, are there other platforms uh, which which people should look into? And you know, do you recommend uh, people to transfer their funds from uh, from say a, a crypto uh, a currency platform to Nexo? And yeah. you know, uh, is is it a risky proposition to do, or would you suggest only advanced uh, 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 you know traders to to look into Nexo? Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of Nexo. Um, I, I use it currently myself. I've used it all 2021. Um, I discovered it, I think, in January um, and, and became a, a, an active user. Um, their competitors include BlockFi and Celsius uh, in the United States. They're sort of the European version. Um, now, anyone can use Nexo. Um, but uh, they're based in Europe, and so um, they haven't had the same type of regulatory issues that BlockFi and Celsius have had this year in the United States with the SEC. So that's nice. You know, what Nexo does is it pays you interest on your crypto. And, and so you can go and put your Bitcoin or Ethereum or Polkadot or Solana into Nexo, and then you can earn between 5 and 10% extra per year for keeping your, your Bitcoin and your Ether and your digital assets on Nexo. Um, and so that's nice. It's a nice extra bonus that, that adds up over time. Uh, I've made quite a few thousand dollars this year, just um, in interest, just sort of having my crypto be on there. So that's an extra income, um, which is useful. And then the other side of Nexo is they will allow you to take a loan against your crypto up to about 50% of the value of your crypto. And you got to be careful doing that. Um, I did that in uh, February, March, and April, and I, I got liquidated. Um, as you may have read in the May issue, when on May 20th, when, when Bitcoin had a big crash, um, I lost about a million dollars in being liquidated in, in just a couple of days. It, it, I think my account went from 1.7 million to like 250,000 in, in like a week. Um, and so crypto is very volatile. Um, some of that's, you know, thankfully come back now, but um, I, I, I was over leveraged. I had leveraged up to 40% um, of my account. I'd basically taken short-term loans to buy more crypto with 40% of the value of my account. And so I thought I was pretty safe. You know, I, I was like, all right, mathematically, you know, Bitcoin and Ether would have to drop 55% for me to get liquidated. I don't think that's going to happen in the middle of a bull market. So I'm safe. Now, what actually happened because of the Chinese miner uh, mining ban is that Bitcoin dropped 58% and, and Ether dropped 63% in a month. Um, and so I um, not only lost, you know, 60%, but I also lost the value of the underlying assets that got liquidated. And so I got... Um, a, a very difficult, expensive lesson. I'm very grateful for that lesson because it made me a much wiser crypto investor um, and a much safer, more long-term oriented investor. I wasn't trying to make $20 million in a, in a year. I was trying to, you know, let's just have a good year, maybe make 100, 200%, not try to make 1,000% in a year. Um, and, and that also led me to find Heart Rhythm. And Heart Rhythm has some internal algorithms that allow them to trade um, underlying assets like Ethereum and basically know when to invest and when not to invest. And that was very attractive to me in joining the firm because if I would have known uh, in May what I know now, I, I wouldn't have lost that money because I would have been out of the market. 
Yeah, I, I, uh, uh, it was interesting to read your experience, and I think a lot of uh, people can learn that you know you should not uh, over leverage on on your crypto assets. But uh, uh, but you know, going back to heart for them, you said fifty percent of your performance fees will, will go to social impact projects. You know, how how do you plan to do that, and uh, and how is it that uh, you know the company has never had a down month uh, till now, even after yeah. a couple of years of trading? Yeah, let me let me let me talk take those two questions one at a time. So on the down month, we, uh, our, our CEO, Nick Sullivan, our founder has been running these strategies since early 2018. And uh, we've never had a down month in, in trading. Um, and the reason why is that we've been running primarily yield vehicles. And what I mean by that is we participate in margin lending platforms and in um, DeFi such that we generate a, uh, a yield for providing liquidity and offering short-term lending to traders in crypto. And so as a firm, historically, um, we at least in, in the current year, we've been averaging in the mid-20s for what our annualized return is on a gross basis. And what, what that means is that um, we're able to have a positive quarter every quarter um, and a positive month every month. And then we'll only uh, risk a small amount up to maybe 10% of the fund at any given time into a, a higher potential, higher risk, higher reward algorithmic trading vehicle to, to increase the returns a little bit, but not so much that it would risk having a down period. So you can think of that like a, like a fixed income or like corporate bonds in the traditional financial world. If you put Let's say you put money into a corporate bond that pays 5% a year. You know, you're going to get that 5% no matter what, as long as the company doesn't go out uh, under. Um, you could do similar international bonds, maybe get 8 or 9%. But to get more than, say, 8 or 9% in today's um, environment of cheap capital is very, very hard in traditional markets. In fact, it's probably impossible to get more than 10% per year in traditional markets. So what we do is by being in crypto, we're able to generate two, two and a half times what you would earn in traditional markets. And we've been doing that now for four years without having a single down month. And so that's how we do what we do. We, we don't invest in, we're not a crypto venture fund. We don't invest in the underlying tokens, which have high volatility as much. We do a little bit of that with our algo trading, but only just a little bit. We're primarily at this point, a DeFi fund and a margin lending fund that's generating consistent yield that's substantially higher at this point than um, corporate bonds and fixed income. And so we're getting a lot of institutional investors, hedge fund of funds, family offices, sovereign wealth funds uh, coming to us and saying, hey, I'm getting 7% over here on my corporate bonds. You know, can you do 20? And of course, we say, yes, we can do that. And so um, then they send the money to us. And so that's how we've been growing our firm um, over the last couple of years. Um, I joined full time in August. I'm, in, I'm currently in charge of fundraising, community and social impact and helping out a little bit with recruiting and operations as well. Um, Nick, our CEO, has been tremendous. I've been a friend of his for three years. We met at Burning Man in 2018. So a, a great friend from a fun festival. And we actually live together in Boulder, Colorado now with his fiance and my wife. And so we have seven full-time people at Heart Rhythm. Um, and it's been a tremendous economic success, but that's not all. It's also been a, a tremendous social impact success. And that's really what has been driving us. And so to your first question about how the social impact is going to work, this is our first year taking in outside capital. It's basically been managing internal capital, Nick's capital for the last three years. Now we've become an, a fund where we've taken in outside investors. Uh, we can only work with accredited investors and qualified purchasers, uh, be, at least in, in the US um, because of the SEC rules. And so we work with high net worth investors. We put their capital to work. We earn our performance fee um, and then we take uh, half of our performance fee. It starts out small. Right now, it's a couple percent. And then as our assets under management grows, it's going up to 50% so that as we grow, we keep giving away a bigger and bigger percentage of our performance fee each year. Um, this year, 
Um, we're going to be giving away a significant amount of capital, but it's going to keep growing. And the way that's going to be given out is through a token. And so we've created this ERC20 token on the Ethereum blockchain called the Heart token, H-E-A-R-T. And it's not a token you can buy. We didn't want this to be a speculative you know, investment that people make money or lose money on. We wanted to be a token that you, the only way to get it is by participating in our community. And so we give the token away to our investors, our advisors, our employees, um, and our past grant recipients, essentially everyone that's in our community. And then we, every March, we're planning on having a, our first philanthropic DAO where we allow the heart token owners to make proposals for which nonprofits and charities to give to. And so uh, we'll be voting on chain um, in March, which will be the first time we're doing this, which is exciting. This might be the first philanthropic DAO in the world. It's certainly one of the first three or four. And um, then in April, we're going to be allowing our um, token holders to decide on the allocation of how much money goes to each for each nonprofit. We're probably going to do the majority of the capital to nonprofits and then maybe save 10 or 20% for individuals. We plan on creating something called the Heart Prize, which we plan on creating as the new Nobel Prize, where we have an annual grant to give away to people who are making a huge positive impact in society. And then every April, we're planning on having a big annual conference probably in the Bay Area near San Francisco, where we bring in our entire community together. This year will probably be 200 people. In future years, it'll be bigger every year. And we plan on bringing our community together to announce the grant recipients, to fly the grant recipients out, to create sort of a celebratory moment, to announce the Heart Prize recipients, to talk about our strategies, and to sort of bring together everyone in social impact crypto investing. I think I think it's super to, super uh, interesting to know that you know what uh, you're planning to do with the crypto fund and you know how you're planning to work on a social impact projects. Uh, you know lately, lately you know I've, I've seen uh, uh, read on your newsletters you pick on Solana and Avalanche and not so much on Bitcoin. Uh, but uh, do you think Bitcoin uh, as an as an asset is going to is going to keep growing or uh, or do you think? Uh, investors should look at Ethereum, Solana, and Avalanche going forward? I, I think Bitcoin will grow uh, in value quite nicely over the next 10 years. Um, however, I think that Ethereum, Solana, Avalanche, Phantom, uh, tokens like that, that are the faster, newer technology blockchains, uh, will grow even faster in value. And, and let me explain why. I think Bitcoin has... Um, created a tremendous global revolution in finance. Um, I, I'm so grateful for the contributions of everyone that helped create it, not, not just Satoshi, but also the people who created eGold, the people who created many of the peer-to-peer -peer decentralized currencies that preceded Bitcoin. Um, what was innovative about Bitcoin was that there was a way to maintain trust um, and to solve the double spend pr problem through the utilization of a decentralized database and the consensus mechanism. And so in 2008, when Bitcoin was created, um, it took a few years for it to be widely recognized, but it in fact was a brilliant invention, something that I think will go down in the 21st century as one of the top 10 inventions of the century. And what it, what it created was the opportunity for there to be a new financial system that didn't have to rely on nation states. And right now, um, we, we still live in the post-World War II, uh, post-Bretton Woods world where nation states are very powerful. However, there's a new force in the world that's actually becoming more powerful than, than even the most powerful nation states, the United States and China. And that's, in fact, the, the global um, citizenry that are on the Internet. There's now four and a half billion people on the Internet, um, much, much bigger than China or U.S., um, and we're starting to be able to collaborate through technology um, together um, across borders, across languages, and to work in terms of um, building technology that creates financial services for anybody and everybody around the world. And so for the, for the people who are still without a bank account, which is about 24% of the world today, 24% of adults are still without a bank account. For the people who are still living on under 
$5 a day, which is again, about 30% of the world is living under $5 a day. It's a significant percentage of the world. Um, there isn't necessarily access to these financial services that you or I living in North America might have access to. And so I really am excited about this new financial system that's providing access to everybody. Um, and I think the problem with Bitcoin, to answer your question, um, is that it's not environmentally very efficient. Um, it uses a lot of electricity. Um, right now, it's using about 1% of the world's electricity. It's on track to do 2 or 3% if it continues to grow at the rate that it's growing at. Now, that's probably okay in 2040 after the world has transitioned to renewable energy, but it's still 2021, and we're still in a world where there are 410 parts per million of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere and going up every year, and we're in an unsustainable path. Um, and so the more electricity we use coming from um, fossil fuels, um, the worse off our species is going to be and the lower chance that we survive this century as a species. And so I actually think we need to move very aggressively in the public policy arena toward banning fossil fuels uh, immediately. That, that's something I think is very important. I think coal um, needs to go away uh, immediately. You know, probably 20 years ago, it needed to go away. Um, I think anything that has um, a huge amount of carbon output needs to go away. I don't suggest we ban Bitcoin mining. I suggest we ban coal mining. That, that will be a, a great way to increase the percentage of renewables. Um, and I think the Bitcoin community really needs to commit not just to the 55 or 57 percent electricity that comes from renewables today, but the Bitcoin community needs to commit to being 100 percent fueled by renewable energy immediately if they're going to have a chance because the global political power of the environmental lobby is very big. It, it, you know, it didn't used to be very big, but in the new generation as millennials come into power, it's something we really care about. And we will not have a global currency that destroys the environment. It's just not gonna happen. And so for Bitcoin to become the global currency, it either needs to shift to full renewable or carbon negative, um, or it needs to change its consensus, consensus mechanism toward one of the newer consensus mechanisms like proof of stake, which is what Ethereum 2.0 is going to be using starting in early 2021 that uses 99.98% less electricity and actually offers better security. So th th those are some of the biggest issues with Bitcoin. It's primarily a environmental issue. And if the Bitcoin community can address the environmental issue, then I think there's a real opportunity for it to become the number one uh, global currency. All right. So, 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 do you think Ethereum is going to overtake, you know, Bitcoin in the next couple of years? I, I think it's likely that the market cap of Ethereum will be higher than the market cap of Bitcoin within five years. Uh, I wrote an article about this that you may have read in CoinStack in the spring. Um, right now, roughly the market cap of Bitcoin is, is a little bit over a, a trillion and the market cap of Ethereum is a little bit over 500 billion. So Ethereum's almost halfway to the market cap of Bitcoin and um, Ethereum only started five years ago, six years ago now. And so I think Ethereum is going to beat Bitcoin. I think Ethereum's technology is a lot better um, Ethereum is used in, as the fundamental um, technology for almost three-fourths of DeFi right now. Um, Bitcoin it can't be programmed very easily. It doesn't have smart contracts. It's not a, an application development platform, whereas Ethereum is a software development platform. It has thousands of applications on it. It has dozens of applications with more than a billion dollars in total value in them. Um, and it, it is the fundamental platform upon which the world's um, value is getting settled. And so you, you could think of Bitcoin as like a TI-83 processor, uh, a, a TI-83 calculator that can only do very basic computing functions. Um, Ethereum is like a personal computer that opens up the world to a whole suite of applications. I have an interesting stat for you to denote that the founder of Beautiful Lives increase the social media presence by 10x they managed to publish consistently and effortlessly using a robust social media management tool called social pilot social pilot is a cost-effective social media tool that helps businesses scale their social media marketing efforts use lifestylemastery.com slash social pilot to get a 14-day free trial all right and uh, Frank, uh you know the the 
the crypto market is 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 growing so so rapidly and uh, uh as well as the blockchain uh, industry you know what is the where do you see the opportunities especially you know people who want to take up jobs in the uh, in in uh, in this industry you know what what suggestion would you give to uh, somebody who's in, into the early 20s or somebody even who wants to make a switch and get a job uh, in this in this market you know or where where do you see the opportunities going forward yeah i, I would i would put blockchain technologies as one of the four major technologies that are revolutionizing this decade i would put um, blockchain, AI, ML, um, as sort of t- two of the top two, robotics, and then um, biogenetics, um, sort of um, the ability to, to create new um, drug development through um, the, the manipulation of DNA as a sort of synthetic biology as, as the top four. So anyone that wants to have a career that's future-proofed, you, you need to be in one of these four sectors. And I think if you're interested in changing the world through finance and creating a world in which everyone has access to opportunity, I think working in blockchain is a great way to do that. Um, you really need to understand the technology. This isn't just about like, you know, a quick flip and, and quick profits. You actually need to understand how databases work, how um, blockchains work, how smart contracts work. You know, I, I would encourage everyone that is interested in entering the space to take a an online course on Solidity, which is the programming language, and then the, of Ethereum, and also Rust, the programming language of Solana and Polkadot, and then also to get on Black Geeks and just watch the videos. They have a free online uh, course on on all the basics of blockchain, where you can educate yourself. Uh, join my free weekly newsletter at Coinstack.substack.com and just read my article on crypto. Explain it like I'm five, and spend a few months reading all the books and doing all the online videos to learn not about the trading speculations and scans, but to learn about the underlying fundamental technology of this space. And then, you know, what I did, I didn't even try to get into crypto. Um, I, I just started writing a weekly blog. And um, now t- 10 months later, it's my full-time job. And so what I encourage people to do is um, to, to begin um, reading about it and then to begin writing about it. Um, and then to begin going to conferences about the topic. Um, and then there's a lot of different ways you could you could build a token, um, you could um, do marketing, you could do fundraising for a crypto hedge fund. Um, you could um, go into you know be a financial accountant for a fund. Um, so you could work at an exchange, um, a, a, lo- a crypto lending platform, a fund. Um, it, there's all kinds of things, or you could just trade for yourself. So there's a lot of different ways to get into it. You could also get involved with NFTs or with um, crypto games. It, it's a whole ecosystem. Um, but I do encourage anyone that's working in traditional finance to make the switch to decentralized finance and crypto. And I encourage anyone who's in their early 20s or younger to study because this really is the future. It's like 1995 all over again with the internet. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely agree that, you know, it's uh, really early days and, you know, it's, uh, uh, would be good for younger people to actually get into uh, in, into this industry. And, uh, you know, you mentioned about the newsletter and you also run a CoinStack Alpha Fund. How much time do you spend uh, doing, you know, you know being uh, writing on the newsletter, being part of Hive uh, and, the, and, the, and the coin fund, crypto fund that you're running? Yeah, I'm very focused on building heart rhythm right now. That that's my primary work. I'm also helping build Tango, which is a marketing software company. So heart rhythm and Tango are the two major things I work on these days. Um, Monday through Friday, I'm I'm putting most of my time into heart rhythm, um, and and that's really what I'm deeply passionate about. Hive is I'd say on hold for another year or two until we can host big events again. So it's starting to come back, but we really have to wait. Uh, a little bit longer till we can host those gatherings. And then um, with the CoinStack Alpha Fund, um, it's an on-chain fund that's got about $350,000 in it right now um, for 35 investors. And um, I, all I have to do is make a trade anytime someone new comes into the fund. And so it's it's pretty hands-off, maybe a couple hours a month. Got it. And uh, do, you, do you think uh, the crypto mergers and acquisitions will be the trend going forward? There's going to be a lot of um, M&A in the crypto space. There already is. There's a huge venture capital investment in the sector right now. Um, I think there's 
billions and billions and billions of dollars every quarter being invested in the crypto companies, let alone the crypto tokens. So th this is definitely the next big growth industry. I think there will be um, a slowdown in 2022. Um, I think the market will will sort of, um, you know, if it gets overheated, if Bitcoin gets beyond 100,000, if Ethereum gets above five, uh, six, 7,000, I think it'll be a correction. So I think it might actually be a great time to get into the market um, in 2022, 2023. If you want to work in crypto, it's going to be a lot calmer um, when the markets drop, which is probably inevitable in the next year or two. And so look for the drop. Wait, wait till it wait till it gets out of the news. Everybody's talking about it right now because everything's at all time highs. Wait till it gets out of the news. And then, you know, six months from now, 12 months from now, that's that's your entry point, both on the investment side and on the career side. And then that's going to that's going to set yourself up for a fantastic 2024 and 2025. Got it. And uh, Brian, uh, I understand it's not a you know financial advice, but uh, but uh, what do you think are, uh, would be the price expectation? I'll say Bitcoin and Ethereum. And do you have any advice for people or you know the top five crypto assets where they should invest into? So say for another five to ten years. Sure. You know, it's 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 obviously incredibly difficult to predict five or ten years ahead for some of these assets. I I, I expect Bitcoin will eventually get um, above five hundred thousand, um, but I think they're I think in order to get there, it's going to have to be adopted by quite a few additional countries as currency in those nation states. Um, I think they're also going to have to solve the environmental issue. Maybe maybe there's an industry-wide effort to move Bitcoin to 100% renewable energy. I think that could really, really help. Um, anytime Bitcoin's you know, hurting the world, it's just not going to be adopted by the global citizens. And so I think we really need to have a, a real authentic story of Bitcoin being the driver of renewable energy growth. Um, and then in terms of um, Ethereum, um, I, I eventually expect Ethereum to get above 50,000. It, it's at 4,000 now. Um, I think in 10 years, it'll be more like 50,000 or higher. Um, but again, there's a lot of dynamics at play. And so if, if Solana or Phantom or um, Avalanche or one of these other better, newer, faster, cheaper blockchains can achieve the level of security and decentralization of Ethereum, then it's possible they might actually beat Ethereum. And so um, you can't just make one prediction and then it, it's static. It, I dynamically have to look at this every few weeks and sort of say, what is the technology? And so I like to invest in a basket of L1 blockchains. I've got investments in Ethereum, Solana, Phantom, Avalanche, Harmony, uh, Tezos, and, and 10 others. And then um, in terms of Bitcoin and Ethereum, it's going to be volatile. So, you know, I'm saying, yes, it'll be 50K Ethereum in 10 years, but um, we're, we might we might have another 70-80% correction before it gets there. All right. And, and any, any top three or top five cryptocurrencies people should invest into? Uh, yeah, I, I think that everyone should have um, a little bit of Bitcoin just because I think it's got a real potential to be the future global world currency. Um, I, I think it's the new gold. Um, I, I think everyone should have Ethereum because it's the best technology in the world for recreating a fair and just financial system for everyone. Um, and then I think everyone should have a little bit of the Ethereum competitors. And, and right now, the ones that I'm seeing that I have the highest chance of success are Solana and Avalanche. And so if you were just kind of trying to do four, I would do Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana and Avalanche. Um, ABESA, I guess, is the acronym, B-E-S-A. Um, and, um, you know, that's going to evolve from time to time. And so I reserve the right to make additional recommendations in the future. Got it. Well, I'll, I'll keep a lookout on your newsletter. Uh, and Ryan, I quickly want to do the top three. What's your favorite business book? Favorite business book? Um, I, I, you know, have recently been reading a lot about crypto. And so the, the crypto books, let me answer that first. The crypto books I really like are The Infinite Machine about the founding of Ethereum. Um, and the book DeFi and the Future of Finance by Duke MBA professor Campbell Harvey. In terms of business books, more generally speaking, I, I really like Good to Great by um, Jim Collins. That's a good one. Um, I really like Think and Grow Rich uh, and Rich Dad Poor Dad, more on the personal development and personal finance sector. 
And then my favorite books of all time are probably um, The Surrender Experiment and The Untethered Soul, um, which are books about um, the nature of spirituality. Um, and so those are my favorite books of all time. We'll put that in the show notes. And, uh, you know, if you could go back in time when you started your entrepreneurial journey, what is the one thing you would have focused on or done anything differently? I don't think I would have done anything differently. I, I value all the levels of experience that I've gained, all the mistakes I've made that, that gave me lessons have been very helpful. Um, I think the, the thing I've learned over time is to build more slowly and to build um, on a solid foundation instead of a house of cards. I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs that they do 100 things a day, but they only do 10 things well. I'd much rather just do 10 things a day and do 10 things well. Um, and so I look for there to be a high alignment between what I say I'm going to do and what I actually do. Um, and, and then if I can get that percentage above 95%, I'm doing pretty good. But if I start getting below 95% of what I say I'm going to do versus what I actually do, then I'm like, I'm doing too much. I need to slow down. Um, and, and I really, so I really like building great companies over the test of time building one block at a time and building a great foundation. So that's, that's the lesson I've learned today. All right. And, and do you have any favorite online tools, example, Gmail, Slack, Zoom? Favorite online tools. I mean, obviously I, I, I use Slack and Gmail like, like everybody. Um, sometimes I use Trello. I use a lot of Zoom. <laughs> those, those are some of the ones that I think I use, but everybody uses those. Got it. So we'll put that in the show notes. And uh, Ryan, what is the best way people can reach out to you and know more about Heart Rhythm and your yeah, Substack? Yeah, three ways. Um, so I'm at Ryan Alice on Twitter. So that's R-Y-A-N-A-L-L-I-S. Um, on email, um, if you have interest in Heart Rhythm, if you're an accredited investor or a potential team member, um, I'm Ryan at HeartRhythm.com. That's H-E-A-R-T. R-I-T-H-M, like algorithm, heartrhythm.com. And then in terms of, uh, I'm on Telegram, you can find me. Um, those are probably the best way to read to me. Uh, we'll, we'll put that in our show notes. And uh, Ryan, uh, thank you so much for taking your time and speaking, uh, speaking to us. I really enjoyed my conversation. You've been a hero for me and uh, keep inspiring us and keep putting out more content. Thank you, Rohit. I'll see you again soon. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening today. Thanks for listening to the Life Self Mastery podcast, where we teach you how to start and grow your online business. For more information, visit Rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com.